I would invite you to turn in your Bibles this morning to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. That's early on in the Old Testament. There's two of them, actually, a 1st and 2nd Chronicles. And you hear the word Chronicles. You said, oh boy, that sounds a lot like historical stuff that's in there. And you would be right. It is a lot of history stuff that's in there. And the very first, I believe, nine chapters of First Chronicles is actually the family tree of the tribes of the Hebrews. There are over 500 names listed through the first nine chapters of First Chronicles. It was very important for the Hebrews to make sure they had the family tree and the genealogies all set and properly recorded. So if we were to go all the way back to 1 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 1, the very first name mentioned would be a guy named Adam. Have you heard that name before? Adam, yeah, it all started with him. And it's a long listing of names, and I thought it would be a good exercise for us this morning if we, you see where I'm going with this, we're going to read all 500 names. I am kidding. What we're going to do instead, we're going to just jump right into the middle of the genealogies, and this is why. It's name after name after name after name after name. You hit chapter 4, verse 9, all of a sudden there's a break. Ezra, as he's writing First Chronicles under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he is writing, all of a sudden, verse 9, a man pops up and Jabez doesn't just list his name and then the guy after him, Instead, he stops and he takes two verses to give us a description of this man and a short little prayer that this man offered up to God. And then the genealogies start right back up. And even if you do have your Bible open, you kind of scan the pages before and after, you're just seeing name after name. Let's pick up 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. And Jabez, that's our guy, okay? That's the guy we're going to talk about today. And Jabez was more honorable than his brother. And his mother called his name Jabez. Why? Because she said, because I bear him with sorrow. Two things we pick up about this man named Jabez in the middle of these genealogies. Number one, we learn his name Jabez, and we learn that he is an honorable man. He was well-respected. He did things the right way, whether people were watching or people not watching. He always did the right thing. He had a heart for God. He was honorable. And the Bible tells us, tells us he was more honorable than all of his brethren. We don't know how many brethren he had. We don't know how extended his family was. But if you're to pull up his entire immediate family and say, tell me, of all of these, which one can you count on doing the right thing? Which one's the most honorable you'd call for Jabez? Jabez, come here. This man right here. He's got a heart for God. He's got a pure heart. If you need someone to do the right thing with the right motive, he's the man. So we learn he is honorable. But as we read verse 9, we learn something else about him. And that is his mother called him Jabez because she bore him with sorrow. When you look into the, the Hebrew and you find the naming, the meaning of the name Jabez, you have to understand 
Hebrew women did not name their children until seven days after they gave birth when they presented the child at the temple. And that's when it was assigned a name. And they would observe that child for seven days just to see if there were some attributes that came to mind that they could name that child after. What a seven-day-old, what attributes they're going to demonstrate, I'm not quite sure. But they would just demonstrate, or they would go ahead and they would name the child what they hoped that child would grow into and be. Jabez, in the Hebrew, literally means pain. When she named her child, she named her child pain. How many of you have ever been called a pain? Jabez called a pain. When Jabez went out to play with his friends, his friends called him pain. When he raised his hand in class, his teacher called him, yes, pain, can I help you? He was reminded of the name pain every time his name was called because that was the meaning of Jabez. Why in the world did she name him pain? It could be she had a difficult pregnancy. Or maybe Jabez was born into a family that experienced great tragedy and great hardship. And the attribute that she named her child was what they were currently going through. It says, I feel pain. Our family feels pain. Therefore, I will name my child pain. Or perhaps it could be he was born into a time in the nation that was facing difficulty, maybe famine, maybe surrounded by enemies. Maybe it was a time of significant struggle or stagnation spiritually. And she named him pain. But yet we learn that when Jabez is older, he is more honorable than all of his brothers. He did not allow the label that he was given at birth affect the destiny of his life. He would not settle for pain. He was not going to accept the stigma that the name carried. He wasn't going to allow it to discredit his hope. And he trusted in God. And he boldly made a request to God. And that is verse 10. Let's look at that. So what did this man, who was honorable, but started off life being called a pain, or maybe born into great sorrow, what did he overcome? He overcame a lot. In verse 10, he makes an offer to God and says this, And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. I would like to call your attention to the third word in that verse. The word called. And Jabez called. When you go back to the Hebrew and you look at that word called, it is in the improper tense or imperfect tense. What does that mean? When something's in the imperfect tense, it means to describe something that is repeated or something that is continuous, something that's done out of habit. So when Jabez called... That called is imperfect, meaning it is something he continued to do as if it was habit. It wasn't one day he woke up, just called on the Lord, this four-part prayer we're going to look at, and say, God, and then make his request. This was something he called upon God. 
And then the next day when he got up, he called upon God. When he walked down the path, his heart was beating for God and it was making this request. This was the desire of his heart. And this morning we'll look at the four requests Jabez made in that short little prayer buried inside nine chapters of genealogy. It must be important if God decided to preserve it for us. The very first part of his prayer is bless me. Bless me, O Lord. The word bless today as we use it has become very trivialized to the point where if somebody sneezes, what do you say? Bless you. Oh, thank you. Oh, bless you. In allergy season, you just go around saying it, right? Bless you, bless you, bless you. Or if somebody's having a very bad day and they just tell you all about it, you say, oh, bless you, you poor thing. Or I've learned in the South, (laughs) what? (laughs) You could totally point out an idiot in the room, but if you say bless his heart, it's totally okay. Bless his heart, he's just not the brightest bulb. And somehow it sounds like a compliment. We've trivialized the word bless. But in the biblical sense, the word bless means to impart supernatural favor. And in this request by Jabez, we see boldness to the point where almost it sounds like, you know what, that's very selfish of Jabez. Bless me, God. He didn't pray, God bless everyone around, bless the entire nation. His prayer was very specific. It was for himself. And the cynic could look at this and say, he prayed just to bless himself? Is he a selfish kind of guy? And actually, no. It is scriptural to pray and ask God to bless us. The motive to be blessed has no room for selfishness. The proper desire is to be a source of blessing, for us to be a resource. And it actually takes quite a bit of humility to ask God to bless us because we are recognizing we can't do it ourselves. We're saying, God, this is something I can't do. I don't have the ability. I don't have the capability. I don't have the skill set necessary, the talents. God, I need you to bless me in this. And that's exactly what Jabez was praying. The word bless when found in the Hebrew language, and I'm throwing around Hebrew as if I'm some expert, and I am not. I read writings of those who know a lot about Hebrew, and then they break it down for me. And my understanding is, in the Hebrew, the word bless is the word brak, B-A-R-A-K. And whenever the word brak is found, that word is not found by itself, but it's repeated, brak, brak. Bless. And we would read it, bless, bless. The English translators brought it over to our English Bible, and they did, bless me indeed. So you could say, it's almost like a word, the word bless, with an exclamation point, exclamation point after it. Barak, barak. Bless me, bless me. Not only bless me, but bless me on top of my blessings, Lord. And we find that idea throughout Scripture, where, the, where emphasis is needed, it's repeated. When Jesus was up on the cross, he said, my God... My God, why hast thou forsaken me? He said it twice for emphasis. When we tell a child no, we say, no, no. Why why do we repeat the word no? Because we are emphasizing, no, no, don't do that. And if you're really mad, no, no, no. 
So when he called on God to bless them, it was emphasized. He said, God bless me. That's the first part, part one of his prayer. Part two of his prayer, where he recognized, okay, God, I have faith in this. If you bless me, I'm going to need something else. And the second part of his prayer was, God, enlarge my coast. Enlarge my coast. If you truly bless me, I'm going to need somewhere to go with these blessings. I'm not the type of guy to absorb everything, be the guy that's a sponge, take everything in and not give anything out. God, if you bless me, I'm going to need somewhere to go. The Canaanites were still in the land. And Jabez might have been asking for the real estate that they had taken that actually belonged to God. But Jabez, being an honorable man, he wasn't so much interested in the land, the real estate part, but more of having influence for God to evangelize those who lived on the land. Psalm 2.8 says this, Ask of me, this is God speaking, and God says, Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance. If you were going to receive an inheritance, would you want to receive every evil person in the world? What is God saying? He's saying, ask of me, and I will give you the heathen. I will give you the opportunity to evangelize them and to win them, and in heaven they will be your inheritance. They are there because of you. We will receive an inheritance in heaven. And one of those inheritances will be those that we have won to Christ. The call to enlarge our coast is a call for us to have influence. For us today, it's not so much enlarge our coast, we need the land that the Canaanites have taken back. It's a much broader application. It's the idea that our relationships, our experiences, our work, all of that should be caught up in the larger purposes of God. And truthfully, that's a throwback to a more unpolluted ideology. And that's the ideology of everything that we do. All activities that we are involved in, we are to respond to the divine call. It is for the purpose of expanding God's kingdom. God has a master plan for all of us. And God strategically places us where we are to accomplish elements and to fill roles that will help spread the gospel and help spread his kingdom. It's no accident you are where you are today. It's part of his sovereign plan. It's part of the master goal he has for all of humanity. And he places us where we are to fulfill specific roles. And yet we think sometimes things happen by accident. Or we get lucky. Or it was a chance meeting. When actually it's more like divine appointments that God sets up for us. Here's a formula that could help us. God's direction plus our willingness equals an enlarged coast. But you have to get the first two points to get the last. We have to have God's direction in our life. And when we pray and when God leads, we have to be willing to follow. It might be a step of faith. 
Well, we're not sure what's out there. We know God is leading us, but logically it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. We know God is leading. We've got to take that step. And then he enlarges our borders because it's part of his plan. And Jabez recognized if his coast was going to be increased, if blessings were going to come, and he was going to expand his coast, he needed something else, and that is he's going to need the hand of God to be with him. If he's going to have blessings, if he was going to have influence, he needed God. God is not a passive God. God did not wind up the universe and just set it there and let it unwind while he is hands off. God is not passive. He is very active. When we pray, he hears us. When we hurt, he knows our pain. When we sin, he grieves. When we ask for forgiveness, he is there to forgive and love. He's an active God. And Jabez wanted God in every single moment of his day. He understood the power of God to protect and lead in the right direction. And he also understood that blessings can become curses if God is no longer in the picture. And Jabez did not want to be blessed by God and have the supernatural favor poured out upon his life if he wasn't going to reroute it and extend that blessing to others and extend the kingdom. He did not want that. So he must proceed wisely and justly. George Mueller is one of my favorite autobiographies. If you haven't read, I think there's only one on him. George Mueller was a prayer warrior and had orphan homes and literally prayed in millions of dollars of food for those homes. And this is back in, the, I believe, the 1800s. He said this. George Mueller said, God not only orders our steps, he orders our stops. And I like that. We often think of God, tell me what step to take. Tell me what step to take. But sometimes God says, don't take a step right here. Sometimes he just tells you to stop. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone? You're going to say something and God says, no, no, no. And you're like, I probably shouldn't say it then. God orders our stops. He orders our goes. Once God answers your prayer to bless you and use you, he begins to open doors of ministry. And it's easy to become overwhelmed and it's easy to get to the point where you've real, you think, I'm not qualified for this, Lord. You blessed me. You expanded my borders. And I've got this imposter syndrome right now where I just feel like I'm faking it. I don't know. And Jabez says, when the blessings come, I'm going to need your hand, God, on my life. I'm going to need you to lead me. I'm going to need you to be with me. God delights in our dependence. He wants us to depend on him. The problem is, some of us are independent, right? Raise your hand if you're sitting next to someone who could be very independent. Every hand's going to be up in the room. We feel independent. But when it comes to trusting God, we need to be fully dependent on him. Even in our weaknesses, 
Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 19 says, And he said unto me, this is God speaking to Paul, what did God say to him? He said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. When we have those weaknesses and we feel overwhelmed, God says, I could be made strong in that. If you trust me, if you lean on me, let my hand guide you. And then Jabez closes out his prayer. He said, God, bless me. I need your blessing on my life. And he says, if you bless me, God, I'm going to need somewhere to go with it. Expand my coast. And if I'm doing that, God, I'm going to need you to guide my steps. I'm going to need you to be with me. And then he closes out his prayer. He says, that thou wouldst keep me, no, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldst keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. I find it interesting how that is packaged for us. Keep me from evil. Know what he did not pray? Keep evil from me. I would have thought he would pray, okay, if I'm going to expand my borders of God, I got to, I'm going to have some enemies out there. God, once people observe your blessing and your favor on my life, it's going to create some enemies and they're going to come after me. Jabez is not praying that the enemies stay far from him. That's probably a prayer for another day. What is he saying? He said, keep me from evil. He knew his heart, like all of ours here today, is prone to wander. He said, God, if your blessing's on my life, I don't want my heart to wander over to pride. I don't ever want to think that it was me that did all this, and it was my creativity that fashioned this, and my diligence and my work to get me to where I was. God, it's all you. Don't let my heart go there. A man had a problem finding a parking spot while he was going to work, and he could not be late. Finally, he found the spot. It was not a parking spot. He was not supposed to park there. But in desperation, he parked there anyways, ran inside so he wouldn't be late. But before he ran in, he wrote a note and left it on his windshield. Simply said, I've been looking for a parking spot for 20 minutes now. I can't find one. If I'm late, I'll get fired. Forgive me of my trespasses. He probably used some Bible language in there, you know, just to kind of sell it a little bit. When he came back out to his car at the end of the work shift, he noticed from a distance there was something pink under the windshield wiper. Have you ever walked up to your car and there was something pink on it? It was a ticket. But there was a note on it. And the note said, I've been circling this block for 20 years. And if I don't write you up a ticket, I will lose my job. Lead us not into temptation. <laughs> temptation is always our heart is prone to pride, and pride is evil. Pride goes against what God wants in our life. And when we get blessed, we have a tendency to let our guard down. When the blessings flow, pride can step in. With every advance that we make, Satan is there to counter us. Satan is there to attack us. Jabez made his four-part prayer. All four parts. How did God respond to his prayer? What did God say? He said, okay, you want me to bless you? 
You want me to enlarge your coast? You want my hand to be with you? You want to, you want to keep from evil? Okay. Well, in the verse, it specifically says for us, the very last line, and God granted him that which he requested. God only answers prayers that are in accordance to his will. And it was God's will that Jabez be used. William Carey is considered the father of modern missions. He's considered the father of missions as we know it today because he was the one back in the 1800s that got a burden for souls that were across the oceans, far away from home. It just wasn't here in the lower 48, but rather it was over in Asia. It was over in Europe. He wanted to get in, and he specifically wanted to get into India. People thought he was crazy. Leaders in the church thought he was crazy to do that. But he knew that he had a burden for them, and God wanted him there in India. So he went. He translated the entire Bible into Bengali. When he arrived there, he noticed the practice of sati, which is when a man passed away. His body was burned at a, at a pyre. And it was a custom that they would take the man's wife and that she would throw herself on the fire. They thought that a wife without a man had no value and therefore she should perish with him. He taught that as being evil against God. Every soul has value. He petitioned for it. He lobbied for it until it became illegal in India. He saw hundreds of thousands accept Christ through his missions work. He wrote extensively. But if you were to take all of his writings and you say, give me one phrase, one line, one quote from everything that he has said and everything that he has written, which one rises to the top? And it would be this one. Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. When we expect God to do something great in our life and to bless us and to enlarge our coast and we're honorable in it and we have a pure heart, we want to be a source of resource for others. We just don't want to be a sponge that takes the blessings of God. We want to be a conduit that takes the blessings of God and extends it to others. God will do great things. But do you know what we do with that quote? We flip it. We say, I want to attempt something great for God. And then we try it and they say, God, okay, I'm doing this. I expect you to bless me along the way. That's not how it works. God needs to lead first. We need to leave behind low expectations and ask God for big blessings. Press into God. And we can see what he did for Jabez. The same God that was on the throne in heaven when Jabez is alive is the God that's on the throne today. We don't have a change of kingdoms. It's not like a king was in charge when Jabez was alive up in heaven and then that king moved on, another king sat on the throne who doesn't know what that other king did, doesn't know anything about the Bible, and has a whole new set of rules. It's not like that. It's the same God, same blessings available for us today. So in conclusion this morning, I challenge all of us in this room, recognize your territory. Recognize the places that you have influence for the king. 
The places you operate are the territories that God has given to you. And He's given you those territories to present Him. It could be said that you are an ambassador. You are God's representative. Your territory is your mission field. Ask God to increase the range of your influence, the width, the depth, so that every muscle of your body, every word of your mouth will draw people to him. What did Jabez pray? Why was this short little thing just included in the genealogies when nothing was said about Adam? Nothing about other people in the Bible that we know a lot about. Whole books. We got this little prayer. God, bless my life. Bless me. Show me supernatural favor that can only come from you. When other people see it, they know it's not me. They know it's you. Bless me, Lord. And expand my influence. Put your hand on me. And Lord, keep my heart from evil in the process. Thanks for listening this week to the Graceway Baptist Church podcast. For more information about our church and our ministries, head on over to our website at gracewaycharlotte.org. We are a church located in South Charlotte. We are growing and our ministries are doing big things for Christ. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at info at gracewaycharlotte.org. Also, stay in the loop with everything happening by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle is Graceway Charlotte. Thanks again for listening to the Graceway Charlotte podcast. We'll see you next week.